Hey everybody, welcome back to the Pixelist Podcast, the podcast about all the nerdy things we love and enjoy. I'm Will, that's Blake, and today we're talking a little bit of WWW, aka WBN, aka Worlds Beyond Number, The Wizard, The Witch, and The Wild One. We're, uh, Bro, we're still wor- slowed. <laughs> we're still so workshopping it. <laughs> um, well, thank wow. you. Um. But yeah, we're here to talk some more D&D, you know, our bread and butter, um, specifically episode five of this fledgling campaign. And uh, I'm excited to dive into it, man. But before we do, we got a little late night pixelist going on, a little like pixelist after dark almost. Um, yeah. Which like is it. This. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. I mean, you know, it's the night before the next episode, so we got to get this one up, but but yeah <laughs> we're still we're still sliding it in but i we don't typically record like late at night like this so i kind of i'm liking this just the kind of vibe so it far. is pretty late actually it's about 10 o'clock here so i'll get up about six thirty-seven. so i guess i'll be tired tomorrow <laughs> i just get really sad all of a sudden <laughs> you just leave the call actually yeah. <laughs> i gotta actually, go <laughs> I, I gotta go <laughs> Oh man. But I'm I'm excited. Um like I said, we don't we don't I don't know, it's just a di- it's just a different vibe compared to like our early morning coffee time, but right. I'm here for it. Uh so we're talking no, about that uh before we get into the the nitty-gritty, um couple quick things or just one really. Uh obviously we got critical role, that's the usual, but this week um in addition to that, um the dimension 20, the, 20. The, yeah. the ravening war, I believe it's called. Yeah. Um, or something close to that is, yeah. um, coming out. And if you're watching this video, you're probably a Brendan Lee Mulligan slash dimension 20 fans. You probably already know. Um, but we're excited for that. Matt is going to be uh, taking over the DMS chair for dimension 20 for the first time. And, uh, it looks, to, uh, looks to be a really exciting campaign. We got Brennan, um, and Bria, right? Is it Bria? in it as well i think she is yeah she's in it yeah yeah so yeah. we got so some worlds beyond it. number crew some critical role yeah. crew i'm excited i was giggling because i was envisioning him as dm just being really like i'm way better than that other guy he's <laughs> <laughs> like i'm right here at the table <laughs> please so, stop <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right um, that was a mistake <laughs> uh but yeah so. we got that coming down the pipeline and i am excited for that so yeah i'm assuming <laughs> a bunch of y'all are as well um other than that, I don't, I don't think I got anything right, yeah. else. Not to be Clark Kent, but I put these on and they didn't help my, <laughs> my headaches. So they're going oh, no. back. <laughs> so, I'm old now, man. You know. I hear you, man. My eyesight so, is terrible. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, <laughs> I guess what we like to do before we jump into an episode is do a little recap action. Uh, and then we peel that off, put it off as its own separate video. So if you're trying to catch up, you can watch just the recaps. Uh, and then after we're done with the recap, we'll do a full episode breakdown. And so if you're watching just the recap, just check the description. We have the whole discussion. Uh, and I think, Will, you're going to cover the first half of this episode. Yes, sir. So once again, this is episode five of The Wizard, the Witch, and the Wild One called Water, Water Everywhere. So we pick up with Suvi, Ame, and Ursulan having just entered this chamber where they have gone looking for Finley in order to retrieve the Wavebreaker sword. Um, but inside they have found his body on the ground, throat slit, 
blood everywhere. <clears throat> and there is a window um, that is shattered. Presumably, whoever has killed Finley has escaped out of this window. But the window is really high up. It's like 15 feet, um, much taller than you would think a normal person could jump and escape out of. Most people. <clears throat> yeah. So they they begin to just investigate what's going on. Ursulon casts Divine Sense just to see if he can ping anything, but he does not. Um, so Ame decides, I'm going to send the fox through the window and see if he can find anything um she decides against throwing him through it because the fox is like I i'll just go outside and go around um <clears throat> so he does that and in the meantime uh they search the chamber uh ursulon looks for the wavebreaker sword um or the blue silken cloth that he had it wrapped in back when he had it um but neither of those are around um ame inspects finley's body more closely and something seems to be kind of just slightly off the body's like too cold for how fresh all of this blood is that's around. And while she's looking at that, <clears throat> Suvi looks around the chamber for any like papers or ledgers, just anything for more information, uh, but doesn't really have any luck. What she does find, however, is a door, a locked door. And on the other side of it, she can hear like this heavy, like sliding sound. So she begins to try and pick the lock. Um, Ame then speaks telepathically with the fox who has now made his way out there. And she then actually sees through the fox's eyes, um, which he consents to. And it's kind of a new experience for the both of them. Um, and as she kind of like enters his vision, she can see that he's not actually like looking around. He's like about to dig toward this pile of trash. Um, <laughs> Ame's like, hey, <laughs> we don't have time for this right now. We can come back to this later. And he's like, oh, OK. Um, so then he goes and like tries to find a scent of blood, considering, you know, Finley was just murdered and this potential murderer has right. absconded. Uh, but the fox smells no blood. There's no scent. And so what they take from this is, okay, whoever killed Finley is still in the room. The call is coming from inside the house. Uh, <laughs> so Ami like tells everybody this and they're like, hmm. And so he says, hey, just cut Finley's hand real quick. Yeah. And so Ame does. And so, just chop it off or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would have been metal. Uh, yeah. So. What Brennan does here is pretty fun. He asks for a perception slash insight check from everybody. And he says he's going to roll in front of the board, but he's not going to tell them what the roll is for. Um, he says, I'm going to roll and I'm going to be plus nine, whatever I roll. Uh, so all three of them roll. Um, and Suvi actually gets the highest with a 21. So Brennan rolls and it's 11 plus nine for 20. So Suvi mm -hmm. just beats it. And the other two did not beat it. So he describes Suvi hearing this almost imperceptible kind of whine come from the corpse as soon as Ame cuts his hand. Uh, so he's still alive and we roll initiative. Um, <clears throat> so combat begins. And, you know, if you're new to us or if you're not, we try to just hit the highlights of combat. This one was quick anyway. Um, but we have Ursulan basically trying to ca tackle uh, Finley, but he misses. And so Ame then casts her first curse um, of the campaign and ever for her character, presumably commanding Finley to halt and mm -hmm. he succumbs to this and is frozen in place by the command. So Suvi's like, well, this is under control. And she goes back to that door. She was trying to uh, pick the yeah. lock for, um, but instead so of picking it, it yeah, <laughs> she just decides, you know what? This is kind of like a worn piece of wood that is the lock and she just breaks it. So she breaks the lock, opens the door, <clears throat> sees this wardrobe. Um, and inside she sees what she thinks is like a body that's potentially hiding in there. But in addition to that, what she sees is something that sees her back. There's this massive statue of this like 
golem that is covered in candle wax and covered in candles, um, staring straight at her. It's 10 feet tall and the head kind of like swivels as she opens the door. Um, and as, as this happens, all these candles on its body light and in a panic, Suvi's like, I cast prestidigitation to blow the candles out. Um, and Brennan's like, you know what? That like shouldn't work, but you know what? Give me an Arcana check, and uh, and he's like, it's a DC twenty, and Suvi gets a twenty three. <clears throat> so there's this great moment where the candles all get whooshed out, and the golem kind of goes like inert, and she just like slams the door back really quick. So um, don't go in there. <clears throat> yeah, she's like, nobody go in there. Uh, meanwhile, Ursulan has pinned the frozen Finley to the ground, and Ame has tied his hands together so that he cannot cast any spells. Um, they ask him about the Wavebreaker sword, and he says he doesn't have it anymore. He sold it to Will Gallows, um, and this name is familiar to Ursulan. It's one he heard a lot back in the day when he was in Port Talon. Uh, Will Gallows is basically like the most dangerous man around uh, in the town. Um, the legend is he apparently moved there after he was hanged for treason. Um, Will Gallows is a shadow, a dead man come back to life, is how uh, Finley describes it. So Suvi's like, well, who's in the wardrobe then? And Finley's like, oh, that's just one of my employees. So Suvi goes and checks on them, and this young girl comes out. Um, she's not humanoid. Uh, she's got some interesting aspects about her and, like, this stark white skin. Um, and she introduces herself as Ghost. And Ursula detects that she's got some fey presence about her. Um, she says, you know what, I'm like, I'm fine. They ask if she's, like, a prisoner or whatever. She's like, I'm fine. Um, I work for Finley. I like to work with machines, and I have this ability where things that are magic like become stop stop being magical when I touch them. So because of that, I can take apart like spell engines easily, and um, I'm very useful to Finley. Uh, she says she can't do it on command though. <clears throat> Finley is like yelling at her, like saying, "Hey, stop talking to them. Go alert the authorities. Uh, go tell Will Gallows' men that these intruders are here." So Ghost is like, uh, "Okay, uh, I will go and drop off the message for Mister Gallows the way we normally do." And the crew is like, well, we're just going to come with you because we need to talk to Will Gallows because he's the one that has a sword. Um, so before they all leave to, you know, follow Ghost, go plant this message, um, Ame asks about the blue silk that uh, Ursulan had the sword wrapped in and if they still have it. Uh, Ghost then goes and retrieves it from the wardrobe and asks Finley, uh, how much should I charge them for this? And he's like, five gold, just kind of being ridiculous. And Suvi's like, heck no. Um, but Ame does an insight check, uh, rolls really high and realizes that if they don't pay for this, uh, Finley's going to take out on ghost. Like she will have right. to pay for it out of her wages. So Ame insists that they pay for it. And there's a little bit of a dispute between Suvi and Ame about this. Cause Ame just, or Suvi does not want to, you know, pay Finley. Who's this, you know, sleazeball. Um, so Ursulan kind of sensing and getting in the middle of this dispute kind of plays peacemaker and says, Hey, Suvi loan me five gold. And I'll pay it and like, I'll pay you back. So she kind of reluctantly agrees to this, gives Ursula the money. He pays, they get the cloak. And um, then they head out to go follow Ghost, go to this message spot. And uh, I'll let you take it from there. Yeah, so they go, uh, they're traveling basically down the path of this town. And it's it's been rainy and wet. And um, there's, you know, naturally just great dialogue with the fox. Anytime the fox is involved, it's great dialogue. And um, before we get to more of that conversation, um, they're basically talking to Ghost and just trying to figure out kind of her background and like, 
you know, the source of her power and just kind of learn more about her. And they realize very quickly that this is someone who has been um, essentially through her fair share of of trauma and that her coming to work for Finley is not of positive means. And as Suvi, as they're walking, Suvi's like, you know, hey, have you ever, <laughs> ever thought about going to the Citadel? And Britain kind of points out like kind of the absurdity of this question for someone of Ghost's um, uh, esteem or estate or whatever that phrasing is. Um, they basically make it eventually to this fence post or this uh, signpost that has some hanging pots with plants in them. And the plants are all rotted and withered. And Ghost basically puts a bone, shoves a bone into the pot and is like, all right, well, uh, we'll get those people. We'll be in touch. <laughs> like, that's the signal. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. And then uh, uh, Lou Wilson's character, uh, Ursulon, actually, like, inspects it. And uh, with a 17, it's like, it appears she has literally just shoved a bone in, <laughs> into this pile of soil. Like, there's no magic about it. Like, that's all there is to it. Um, and then also, uh, before Ghost kind of moves on to go back to Finley, um, Suvi kind of pulls her aside and is like, Hey, um, you know, I, I don't really know much, but, uh, if you'd want to make your way, if you'd want to go to the Citadel, like they, they, you know, take care of people who know magic and it, it might be great for you. And she's sort of unsure and kind of like almost disbelieving the offer, um, but eventually is like, okay, yeah, like in, in sort of like this naive excitement is like, uh, okay, yeah, like where do I go? What do I do? And uh, Subi's like, I'll make a way for you. Like go to one of the Azure Battalion um, outposts and I'll basically put in a good word for you. Uh, so Ghost is like, all right, we'll see ya <laughs> and leaves. <laughs> and um, we have this really strange conversation between Suvi and Ame where Ame's like, well, hey, like, isn't the Citadel, like, don't they send mages, like, off to war to die? Like, it's not, it's not like she's going to, like, this glorious, like, amazing place. And Suvi instantly is defensive, and not just defensive, is seemingly pissed off by this questioning. And is like, what do you know about the Citadel? Like, how, like, it's really none of your business. And, and as Ame is sort of, like, awkwardly trying to be like, whoa, um... Suvi's kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just very, it's a strange in, interaction. It's tense. And finally, Ame, uh, finally, Ame, yeah, is just like, okay, I'm sorry. You know, that's all right. <laughs> um, and Suvi's basically like, here, we're, we're here to figure out what's going on with the sword, with this curse. Like, let's just focus on that. They go back to the signpost. Uh, the fox and Ursuline have been chatting, and the fox has been talking about like how great the trip's been. Like, yeah, other than that whole boat thing, didn't really <laughs> like that, and it's like super wet. You know, uh, they just have, I, I, I can't do it justice. They were just really great. Um, and uh, once they're all back together, Ursuline kind of looks around to see like, is there like maybe like a, a, a watch person who's looking for the bone tell? And they essentially see this plaza with lights on that they're like, let's go over there and see. Maybe we'll find something. They head that way. They make it to this kind of open area where this plaza is. And there is, um, oh, and I forgot one detail about Ghost. Um, Ame, looking in her eyes, sees this flash of her background of her being the daughter of a spirit and a mortal. Mm, yeah. um, 
It was, and... it was Ursulon because he recognized like oh, that's right that same that's thing right. about himself in her. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Thank you. Um, so I forgot that detail, but um, anyway, so they go to this plaza. Um, Ghost has left, and at the center of this plaza is the statue of two spirits. Um, a man and a woman who are dancing and the man's face has been vandalized. And so, um, Ame sends the Fox up to basically press digitation or mending on the face. And naturally Suvi still kind of peeved. is just like, why are we doing, what are we doing? Like, why are we messing with this? Um, <clears throat> the Fox goes and licks the face where it's been defaced and the lick begins to repair the face of the statue. And everyone's like, oh, that's so cool. That's really nice. That so much so they don't notice that Ame is on the ground convulsing, like having this, this vision basically of um, people fleeing and in terror. And Britain describes vines that are um, stretching out and bringing ruin. And then this lance that shatters down from the sky. Um, and basically this face, this face that's being repaired, she sees this face like a light. Um, and I actually don't remember how it ends after that. <laughs> so <laughs> especially the end of the episode, but then what, what happened yeah, after that? Uh, it, it essentially is the end of the episode. She kind of has this, you know, violent vision and Ursulon like finally turns to see, oh. Yes, um, and does he does lay on hands on her, mm -hmm. and as he does it, these vines come out of her and immediately die, which is was this cool little flavor bit to it. Um, yeah, and then anything else after that? Uh, just like that whole thing, Brennan called like for Ame, he calls for a saving throw, and we do know that she succeeds the saving throw. Right. Um, and she like coughs up like seawater yeah. or something. Yeah, it's a cool little thing. I've done that in my campaign. <laughs> <laughs> the old cough up seawater technique. Uh, anyway, that, that was episode five of Worlds Beyond Number, uh, The Wizard, the Witch, and the Wild One. Uh, let's chat about the episodes. If you're watching just a recap, we have the full link below. Will, what'd you think? Uh, I loved it, man. Um, you know, this is about to be just like our critical role segment where we pretty much say the same thing every time, but I'm really enjoying this campaign. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, it's the, uh, the cliffhanger was really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm loving it. The sound design is amazing. I've really enjoyed that aspect of this show and, uh, it's, it's just hard waiting two weeks between each episode, but, um, uh, luckily new one tomorrow. So, uh, what, what yeah. about you though? What do you think? We did that. We did that intentionally. That's why right. we recorded the That's night right. before, so we could say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I loved it. If you guys haven't like checked out our channel before, we're gonna we're gonna pretty much love this kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, this is our bread and butter for sure. Um, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, had a lot of fun listening to it. Um, the sound design. And we've talked highly about it every episode, but this one especially, I really liked. I'm liking the the thematic music isn't the right word but like um like as as she is um ame has the fox licking the face we had it's sort of like the supernatural like spirit not techno but like <laughs> there's a music to it you know yeah yeah we've gotten that we got that in grandmother ren's house when she was passing on like these super i'm, I'm liking now that we're getting 
music that it's like, oh, I know what that goes with. You kind of like um, me, like musical themes for like right, yeah, for like moments or characters as we might right. see. Yeah, maybe we'll hear like a womp womp womp. <laughs> it's like yeah, no, I'm just kidding. But yet, yeah, I'm totally with you. Um, the and uh, asking this to you, but also you know everyone that may be watching. Um, so you know, like the episode ends and it goes into like the outro music of you. Thanks for watching Worlds Beyond Number yeah. or whatever it is. There was actually kind of a little like extra little bit after that. I don't know if you like. I'm sure a lot it of people kind of just click off once that part's happening. Um, it's not oh, like a. Yeah. It wasn't like actual like story necessarily, but just figured I'd throw it out there for anybody that missed it. It was just like it cut back to like Lou and and everybody, and he was man. He was like, man, I should have kicked Finley back when they were like. He was like debating it when they still like first ran into the corpse. Um, and so there's just I, like a little funny combo. I wondered if they were going to kill him because there was a moment where Ursuline's like, he's like, I step up. I'm done with this conversation. And I was like, is he going to stab him? Because after Suvi in the previous episode, I'm kind of like I'm getting a little are we the baddies energy. <laughs> so I just wasn't sure what was going to happen there with Finley. Well, this he was referencing when they first came in and were he was just going to kick him to see if he was actually yeah. a corpse or not. But yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I not necessarily like we, the baddies, which I know you didn't mean that like hardcore, but I'm getting, I mean, there's definitely this, this edge with Suvi, which we're going to, we'll get into a, a little bit more. Um, but yeah. Uh, shout out for the post credit scenes. The fact that that happened, I'm going to make sure I listen through every time now. I'm sure they would never put anything like important after the, Mm. the end credits roll but right food for thought the more you know um <clears throat> okay this episode where to begin um where to begin uh i guess i guess there's there's like the most interesting thing that cliffhanger i don't know like should we start there should we kind of put that on pause and come back put that to at it? the end let's kind of go okay. through it chronologically i think i think let's start with where the last episode ended, which was the Finley, um, the hijinks with Finley, um, Brennan with the peak despicable voice um, of this guy. It was so good. Um, and I really liked the sort of twist on this in, the, in that um, the, I think what I liked about it was it was this, it was like the cliche of like, you arrived just a moment too late and they escaped out the window yeah. It just you know, it's 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 a cliche. We've we've seen it. It's it's happened before. So it's kind of like, okay, I guess we're gonna go this route. Um, so I just I liked that little twist on it. That was fun. Yeah, I liked that too. And um, I didn't expect it. Uh, right. Coming into it, uh, and I I, I liked the uh, <clears throat> the. So I I listened to the fireside chat for this episode, and one of the things I talked about is that uh, that that like spell that he used is there's feign death. Like there's a feign death spell uh, in five E and it's like garbage. Like why would anybody ever take it? <laughs> and like Brennan was kind of talking about that and he brought up this really interesting point um, or this not point, but he just brought up something interesting uh, to kind of showcase how he's picturing this world mm -hmm. in that hedge mages kind of just have the scraps of magic. Like, they they yeah, get okay. the spells that the citadel throws away. So like that's why he had 
feign death, which is kind of garbage. Um, yeah. Which I don't know how much to read into that. That could just be like kind of a fo- his philosophy speaking to and not necessarily like a hard and fast rule. But if it is more of the latter, it's interesting to think about that, like, you know, typically in, in mechanical D&D, like anyone can really access any spell and ter- like, you know, as long as that's your class's spell and you're the appropriate level. But this made me think of it in a new way, like, oh, OK, hedge mages, because they're this kind of like homeschooled wizard can't even cast like maybe some of these prestigious spells that they teach at the Citadel. And I thought that was like a cool like world building thing, if it's even true. But, you know, since he said that, I'm imagining there's some level of truth to it. And it might be like a literal, literal scrap in the sense of if you remember the the original um, adult interaction with Ursulon with the hedge mage bounty hunter, mm-hmm. who the way Brennan described the casting of fairy fire was he had his playing cards and he pulled one out and it had the blue verbatim something like the blue sigils of the citadel or something like that that he like blew on. Mm. Um, so it may be like they've literally thrown these things out or just discarded. Like there's some kind of like artifact there, um, which would, I think make sense these people are kind of like, you know, alleyway criminal types, you know, kind of smuggler types. Yeah. It makes sense that they've sort of collected and gathered these, these seemingly worthless things that they've now kind of developed their their persona around so i like that that's cool yeah and again i don't know like i don't know how canon that statement was from him but it's just interesting if if that is true again it's interesting to think about the implications for the world like what if the citadel we've kind of been wondering like you know what what is going on with them are they kind of like morally gray like what's their deal and it would be interesting if they were like literally like hoarding power in terms of like no one else can access these very these very powerful things, but them, um, right. it's just, it's interesting for the political hierarchy. I always get hesitant when I'm about to say that word, hierarchy, hierarchy, the say, H word. Yeah. Am I saying that right? Hi- hierarchy. Hierarchy. Okay. Yeah. But not, not hierarchy. <laughs> I see why you said that though. Cause it's spelled that way. Yeah. Yeah, it's just hire like like hire. I'm gonna hire someone. Okay. Yeah. Political but hierarchy. I, but all of a sudden, I didn't know if you were saying like a a version of it that was like you know <laughs> specific to politics, <laughs> like an hierarchy. Let's and go with like, that. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was doing. Oh, um, will you and pronouncing yeah. things? <laughs> <laughs> oh. So oh, yeah, man. just wanted to okay. throw that out there. Um, uh, but yeah, I thought the I just. You, you mentioned the voice earlier. I just pictured this like scraggly old, like, yeah. you know, like I don't even it, definitely like alleyway mage. Like you said, um, it was great. I'm curious about, well, I want to talk about this moment in general, but the Suvi's prestidigitation on the, the candle golem or statue. Yeah. That was just so cool. And that just shows like how one skilled of a DM Brennan is, uh, to like go with the flow on that. Um, but two, just like how fun of a moment it became because he was willing to do that. You know, I, I think we both know some types of players that would have like had an aneurysm. If you like uh, a press won't work on the CR 
you know, whatever <laughs> monster. Like, don't be ridiculous. Yeah, um, <clears throat> that's why they have no players. <laughs> so, so yeah, I just I just thought that was fun and a nice little um, DM tip, which you know, I don't oh know. yeah, I think just it's a great DM tip. Yeah, rule of cool, you know, like yeah, go with the flow. And he still made it like it didn't automatically work. He said, you know what, like that's awesome, DC twenty, um, which is pretty high for a level one character. Um, mm. So just I loved that whole sequence. And, um, yeah, back to, um, what you said about, I just want to, I just want to comment on it for a second. Um, I think it's a great insight because, you know, we saw it happen and this the temptation is like, well, yeah, of course, like who would disagree with that? But we also know that there's been other formats, notably like where Abria has DM'd, uh, and has gotten criticized for rule of cool. Like, oh, there's too much rule of cool. And, you know, bottom line is we're all, you know, backseat drivers anyway. Um, but I think it is a really great DM tip of you have a player who had this awesome moment of just creativity and to encourage that you want to reward it rather than being like, like I think you and I have even had DMS in the past where it's so specifically like boxed in on like monster description, or this is how it is, this is how it works that you don't really feel like you have much opportunities to interact. And so I, I think you, you rightly pointed out as a really great DM tip. Yeah, it was, it was just a fun moment. And um, yeah, I just liked to, to call back to something you said a minute ago, um, how the Finley like feigning death was kind of a subversion of what we thought was going to happen. I kind of liked that. Uh, of course, he's not a good guy by any stretch of the imagination, but I liked kind of the dynamic shift of, um, kind of humanizing Finley slightly with how Ghost perceives him. Like, yeah. and this this kind of leads into later in the episode where Ghost is kind of trying to decide, you know, should I go to the Citadel and pursue this life? Or, you know, I think, I don't remember exactly what like Ame offered her, but it was essentially like follow Suvi's advice and like go to the Citadel or like follow Ame's advice and be happy with your lot in life type of situation. Um so yeah, I just thought I thought it was interesting to examine that that character, and maybe we'll talk more about Ghost um, now or later or whenever. Well, but I I like your I like what you said because I think um, fully fleshed out characters, like when we talk about complicated characters, complicated isn't the right word, um, but like it it's pretty rare. Like I think about we're not, we haven't talked about this, but like the D and D movie, um, without spoiling it, but the Paladin who's like so over the top positive like good guy yeah um it's rare that you come across that kind of like good cre- person and then like the explicitly evil and so i think i think yeah i'm pretty much just like i keep everything i say is just like agreeing with what you say but yeah <laughs> it was nice to add like a more color to finley and be like you know he's not a good guy he's probably more douchebag than evil and probably a little evil but like not like you know probably not like canonically like deeply demonically evil you know yeah just just kind of a douche you know (laughs) yeah like he wasn't like holding her prisoner and forcing her to use her ability against her will like he hired her and you know and she she enjoyed the work um uh so yeah i I just liked that and uh you know make make three-dimensional characters i guess is the right the bottom line to this thesis statement um (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I guess I don't, I don't want to like 
skew too far ahead, but to, to talk more about Ghost, uh, speaking of three-dimensional characters, this this felt like a PC's character to me. Like it was so like deep and fleshed out and really yeah. cool. Um, yeah. I'm curious if Brennan had prior to this encounter, like when he, when he was uh, setting up this session, if you will, I'm curious what his plans were for ghost or if there even were any beyond this one scene, um, because that's such a cool ability that I feel like uh, could have such like implications such big implications in this world where, you know, wizards and witches are some of the most powerful entities there are like somebody that can nullify magic essentially. I mean, yeah, it's basically a on use version of disenchant without like disassembling the, I guess like rendering it inert. Um, yeah, it's incredibly powerful so much so that five E doesn't even have disenchant in it. And so I, I think I think it's interesting that this character has this, and it almost makes me suspicious if Brennan's going to loop this character back in in some way if Wavebreaker ends up being not the full um, turn of the story or there's a reason that it can't like fully be utilized. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Ghost will come back in some way. Because is, is the Golem presumably like her friend? Or like, I, I yeah, I think so. She has some sort of relationship with it. Uh, I, I was curious about that too, because she even said, "Can I bring the the golem the with me to the citadel?" Yeah. So yeah. that that made me wonder. Like, you know, we know she was an orphan. She had a uh, is it called Flicker? Or I'm thinking of the oh. J Lo movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think it is. That sounds that rang a bell. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I wonder. It seems okay. I'm about to like answer my own question before I even lay out the question. Uh, but I was wondering if like she had a relationship with that thing, like, and they came together to work for Finley. Yeah. Um, but it seems like that's not the case because it seemed like Finley was like, before he got like halted in his arms tied or whatever, he was like, How about you? and was like summoning the golem, yeah. but Suvi had already like blown the candles out. So I'm guessing yeah. it's his like creation or. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, whatever. But um, yeah, she clearly has some sort of relationship with it, which I guess she said she couldn't control her ability. And I don't know how like the magic mm-hmm. of a wax statue would work, but I guess she can. I mean, maybe she doesn't interact with it or else like could she like kill it if she touched it or something mm-hmm. like I don't know, but they're right. clearly close. Um, they didn't do it. They didn't do an insight check like I it's such an odd it's such an odd caveat to her power. I, I can't control it. Why would, why would he hire you if you weren't able to, when needed, use your power? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it is interesting they didn't insight check her. I, do you think she maybe was not being earnest? I don't know. It doesn't seem, it doesn't seem to be the case, but also the way Brennan described her, um, humble, keeping to herself, um, shrinking into her space. I almost wonder through basically also the implied trauma, you know, she doesn't know these people. And so, right. you know, maybe it's, maybe it's a half truth, you know, like maybe it's not like a full on lie. 
maybe it's a half truth and there's more to it. And maybe she's saying it because she doesn't trust them, doesn't know them, doesn't want to get, um, maybe she has at least enough sense to know that this would be valuable for other people and she doesn't quite know their motivations. And so I, I don't know. I just think it's a little, I think that was a very, um, innocuous line that could just be thrown away like oh yeah well, i don't know i can control it like oh, okay but then when you like peel it back it's like well wait a second then why are you in employment there if you can't i don't know there's just yeah. something that is kind of odd so yeah and it, it i guess it calls back to what exactly brennan's plans were for this character is this like a, a future planted seed? but what throws a wrench into all of that is how massively the group affected her storyline because now she's going to the citadel which brennan couldn't have actively anticipated and planned for you know so i'm curious like yeah maybe this was just a cool side character that you know maybe he did something with later maybe not but now we've got like a potent like a direct cause and effect that i'm interested to see what happens right. i um and i guess she could i can't control it i guess devil's advocate could also mean like i can't not make it happen like I can't control oh, it in the sense that like yeah. I can't turn it off if I want to play with something and not break it. Yeah. Um, okay. That actually makes way more sense <laughs> than my whole spiel. <laughs> no, I mean, I, it's still, so. it's still interesting because, and I think Brennan even brought it up um, when they were asking her something. I don't know what, what the moment was, but it was about like, I don't know you people. Like I'm kind of scared. Like, right. she like, yeah. It, it would make total sense for her to not be entirely forthright, not to say she's lying, but, right. um, but yeah, I'm really curious to see what happens with this character. Um, I absolutely think, I think I don't want to get into the Suvi Ame conflict just yet. Cause we're not there, but I absolutely kind of agree with Ame in the sense that I feel like these people are going to look at her like a tool and utilize her as a tool. Um, and so what's what's interesting, I guess, is how Suvi views it. If she's like, yeah, exactly, that's what they're going to do, but this will lead to a better life for her. Mm -hmm. Or is she kind of, I don't know if denial is the right word, but does she not, does she not know that that's kind of what's happening and is kind of thinking, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not articulating it well, but. No, yeah, there's weird energy there. I mean, this is the second time we've seen them go at it. The first time being um, the discussion on the funeral rites for Captain Imlis. Yeah. And just weird energy. You have Ame, who you would assume living in a cottage her whole life would be like the most naive, trusting person, but has the wherewithal to be like, like, is this really good for her? And then you have Suvi, Suvi who we would presume would be fully in the know and like practical enough to know, like this isn't so clean as like, yeah, go to the Citadel. You'll be fine. I mean, she's lived there. She's seen, she knows the stories of the soldiers who've come back and or those the ones who haven't come back. Mm -hmm. So it's weird how these positions kind of flip for each character. Um, I, I do think Suvi is a bit in denial and there's something I wonder if we're going to get a moment that takes us to the root of why there's so much tension. Um, Cause I'm, I'm assuming that wasn't present in the children's story. So I don't think it's a, a callback. I'm assuming there's just some kind of weird energy between them where, and it's obviously coming from Suvi um, 
But yeah, Subi seems to really have an issue anytime Ame wants to make a suggestion or make the call or something. Um, it's weird. It's the bottom line. It's just weird. <laughs> yeah. It's, <clears throat> it's a super interesting character dynamic though. And I love that they've um, like, I love that Abria is like introducing that friction uh, and that kind of cool uh, inner party conflict for lack of a better word um, this early. And that's, not that anyone was like actually concerned that like Abria and Erica are like butting heads at the table, but it is something they addressed in the fireside yeah. chat being like, hopefully, we obviously love each other. And like, yeah, hopefully people wouldn't think this. I mean, this yeah. is, yeah. I mean, go ahead. But yeah, they said like, you know, this was, this was pre-negotiated. We obviously like, you know, as a table kind of talk about like any, any type of thing like this would have been like, there's not a curveball to somebody else at the table. Um, uh, and they said that like, you know, it's, it's a audio only, so you can't see us, but like anytime there's like a moment like that, we both are kind of like, like getting giddy about like the, the character drama. Um, yeah. so it's, it's all in good fun. Um, so he's like, I stab you. <laughs> like, I hate what? you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I'm very interested. And in, like you brought up, like, this is the dynamic that we already kind of talked about in last episode where she was like, you know, don't ever second guess me or whatever it was like in front of uh don't ever like talk back to me in front of people again or something like that you know right so, so to me it seems like and this makes sense you, you reference the children's adventure there there was no like dynamic like this in the children's adventure i'm like i have like 30 minutes left in the last episode by the way for context of where i'm speaking from um <clears throat> but to me this dynamic just stem, stems from who these characters are like Suvi obviously had a very tragic, they all kind of have tragic backstories. Um, the, the three main characters and you know, her life was essentially an orphan was sent to the Citadel and that's where she found purpose and was honed into this weapon that she now clearly finds a lot of pride and, and purpose in. Um, right. So I feel like she's just projecting that onto ghost right. who, yeah, but I think where the, the the disconnect lies is that Ghost was happy with where she was for the most part. Like she found somewhere that like she fit in and her gift was useful. Um, and I think Ame recognized that and was like, you know, not yeah. everyone is like you. Not everyone has these aspirations to be the next, you know, right. sept of the seventh or whatever. Um, so, yeah, I just I love that. It was real meaty. It was juicy. Um I hope we not that I expect Ghost to be like a major player that we see a lot, but I hope we like hear more about what happened there. Yeah. Um, I wonder if if it'll all be off screen or if we'll have a Bria like go to the Azure Battalion and like, you know, talk to somebody about her or not. Um, I'm curious to see. And what they'll say. Because like, I'm so curious about a Bria's like positioning, like to the average commoner. Um, there's definitely like an, oh, you're a wizard, yeah. but I am curious because like when they tried to secure the ship, the, the nicer ship, mm -hmm. they basically, she didn't have enough clout. And so I'm wondering basically how, how far like her word or her, her status takes will take them. So. Yeah. Cause it seems like thus far her, her, her staff 
from what I can gather, just denotes that she is a wizard of the Citadel and doesn't denote anything like beyond that. You know, mm. not that because she is, you know, one of the Archmage's apprentices or whatever, like the youngest one yeah. ever. So like even among Citadel wizards, she has clout, you know, but I doubt that like all that information is being gleaned just from her staff. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm curious how far that will get her, because I don't think we've had a moment where she's like explicitly tried to outline exactly who she is. Um, and I don't think. Sorry, go ahead. No, and I was I was just going to say, maybe that would even be frowned upon, like because she is an apprentice. So maybe like she shouldn't right. be out there, like throwing the Citadel's name out. Well, uh, mechanically speaking, she's level one also. Right. So like in terms of like. I don't think Brennan's going to be like a stickler. But there, I think great DMs put like, not only do your, does your character level up in like combat proficiency, but they kind of level up in status a little bit too. Yeah. Um, and so it wouldn't quite make sense for her to already, it, it kind of actually closes the DM design space a little bit. If she can just talk to anybody, get things happening. Like I'm a wizard from the Citadel, do this, do that you know, give us your, give us all the stuff in your store, you know, like, uh, so I, I don't think, not that Brennan's going to like limit her. Cause I think Brennan's going to, I think he really loves encouraging his players to be creative. I just, I just don't think it will be as direct as she goes to a battalion. Hey, I'm a wizard. Oh my gosh. Right this way. Um, there's a girl named ghost. She needs yeah. to be taken. You know, I just don't know if it's gonna be that clean. It could be, but I just don't know if it would be. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, and you know, it, yeah. I, yeah. Waxed poetic on it enough, but yeah. yeah. Okay. So, um, quick shout out to the Fox. Every, every time the Fox <laughs> gets attention, man. He's so just, great. So freaking good, dude. I loved them coming back to, um, the Fox and Ursuline's conversation. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I was mad. I was, and when I realized <laughs> that I wasn't in danger, then I was, then I was mad again. <laughs> oh was, yeah. That was hilarious. Know, man. Yeah. Uh, Brennan, so yeah. He's, he's, he's playing that character. So like perfectly oh. like the naivete or naivete, but also like, he's like, uh, I don't know. If, I don't know if smart is the right word, but he's like really insightful whilst being, naive yeah <laughs> um <clears throat> yeah. But one one thing on the fox that i thought was was great but also uh just interesting is you know he is sad about the trash he's like i, I guess we're not going back for the trash <laughs> and uh you know he thinks ame lied to him yeah but in right. reality she just forgot but that's like an yeah. interesting kind of dynamic yeah. that i think could be developing well, and it's nice because yeah keep in mind that it's not D and D wizard familiar. Um, we're we're talking this sort of homebrewed relationship that's really cool, and it has to be tended to. We're talking a lifelong bond, yeah. and so yeah, I think that that tiny little detail is a nice little um, foreshadowing of great potential growth between the two, um, which we're already getting as well when she does the um, what's it called. Uh, seeing through the fox's eyes. Um, yeah. But then also the fox sort of like taking on her spells in some, in a certain way 
um, which I don't know if it was like a precedent digitation exactly, but when she, the fox licks the face of the yeah. statue, that was really cool too. Yeah, I think I think it was a mending spell. Yeah, because um, yeah, prestidigitation wouldn't do it. That's right. So yeah, I guess yeah, mending. I've never, I haven't like actually had experience playing with find familiar in D anD D, but I I think you can at least with certain spells cast them through your familiar. So I'm assuming that's the mechanics of what was happening in that moment. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was really interesting, and just I, I I already mentioned it, but just. Again, hats off to Brennan for having the um the in, the insight, I guess, to to twist that fox trash moment in that way. Like that's that's such an easily like forgettable thing that you could just not bring yeah. up anymore. Like Erica clearly <laughs> forgot. Um you know, that's gone. But no, like he's he's grabbed that and is utilizing it for like a really cool character dynamic. Um mm. which speaks to his character as well you know he is a, a a tricksy fox like that would be the assumption he wouldn't assume she forgot he would assume she got one over on him um yeah just big fan of the old brinley mulligan um <clears throat> a couple yeah, quick you, things i'm looking at my yeah, or go ahead you can't you can cast through your familiar is it only certain um, spells because surely you can't like it is only certain spells but mending's on here okay so I wonder yeah. if it's just like cantrip. Maybe it's just any spell that requires touch. You can facilitate that part of it with the familiar. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking at my notes here. Just a couple of quick things that I glossed over already. Um, during the combat, Ame casts presumably command when she tells yeah. Finley right. to halt. Uh, there was no role or anything, unless I'm just completely forgetting. So I'm curious if that is like a functionality of this homebrewed witch class where there's like, it's not exactly the same as command in normal 5e where you have to like do the saving throw. Or if if there was a role and for whatever reason that was edited in the production. Or I'm just completely misremembering and there was a role, but I don't, I'm, I wrote this down. So I feel like, I feel like there I must not have been. Be... It could be either, because there was also a moment in the uh, Captain Emless fight where there was another moment like that where you were like, "Okay, wait, what?" Is, I, there was, I think it was where Lou Wilson um, threw the broomstick, and then his next turn he had the fencing sword like ready to go, which they were playing around earlier. But there was like a, a skip of a detail or something that was like, mm -hmm. "Well, wait." When did he get that ready? Yeah. Um, so I think either something like that happened, like you're right, like maybe like an editing, they cut it out or maybe, yeah, maybe the special ability of like a witch curse is that, I don't know, which have we gotten a, we haven't gotten a character sheet yet, right? Right. Or like a class description. Mm -mm, I don't think so. Not to my knowledge, yeah. at least. Um. But yeah, I mean, surely there's not just a it always succeeds command, but um, I'm curious because there maybe there's something more to it. One. Um, sorry, what'd you say? So I said especially at not at level one. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> and then the other quick thing that we I wanted to mention um was the the earlier kind of dispute between Ame and Suvi in this episode about the five gold for the um. The, yeah. the silk the cloth yeah. um i thought that was just another nice kind of dichotomy of their dynamics but i loved that ursulon 
um, kind of the third party in this, you know, uh, thruple, not not thruple, <laughs> but uh, I just love that like he kind of stepped in. Like this was also kind of situation was kind of all because of him. So I'm sure he felt like like this was his to take care of in a way, but also just like wanting to play peacemaker being like, no, no, like just loan me the five gold. Like he, he takes the burden upon himself is what I'm trying mm. to say. And I just, that I love that for his character because he is, you know, or was this, this young kid that wanted to be a knight, yeah. you know, wanted to like do the right thing. So I feel like this was kind of like a cool encapsulated very, moment of that. Very Jesse Pinkman esque where oh. Mike and Walt are arguing over like the cut of money for like Mike's guys. And then Jesse is like, just take it out of mine. I don't care. <laughs> just take it out of mine. Yeah. <laughs> so good old Jesse Pinkman. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. Oh, and this is a random thought that I had. Um, so if, if in our previous episodes, we've talked about um, the wizard names a bunch and there's like power yeah. in names, which we've heard, you know, we've got steel, we've got soft, we've got stone, um, we've got Suvi, which does start with an S, but for my money right now, that's just a coincidence. Um, if Suvi gets a new name, I was like, maybe Silk, because like this this cloak of hers has had a lot of relevance so far throughout the story. And so I was like, I could see it. Maybe Silk. Anyway, what's she do today, my random thought. Why? Yeah. Well, but if, if the whole theories about like wizards end up getting these new mm. names so that their true names aren't known and used against them. Yeah. That's a huge oh, okay. assumption. But if that's true and Suvi at some point gets a new name. What if I was like, what are you so- talking about, man? <laughs> yeah. I think I'm currently, if that is true, I'm under the impression Suvi is the given name. Is no, the like code name? That no, that wouldn't work because they've known her forever. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. I gotcha. Which I'm yeah. not even saying that, that, theory for lack of a better word is true but if it is if it is um because why does suvi have like a real name when everyone else's name is just like a simple word that starts with s anyway let's move on this didn't even happen this episode um um shout out real quick i'm just looking at my notes again brennan's freaking amazing descriptions and you know Mm -hmm. poetry in motion um when he was describing ghost he said body shaped like an apology and that just like yeah it just resonated with me so i wrote it Dude, down that hits so well mm. absolutely yeah that's a great insight i'm glad you a great uh call out um yeah brennan is incredibly gifted at i'm honestly blown away with how he describes things and um the deep meaning that comes behind somewhat simple statements mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a perfect example of it right there yeah He's very good at what he does. Um, okay. Now I'm, I'm caught up on the things we kind of had glossed over. Um, I guess not that we have to be completely done with ghost, but one, one final thing is the, the whole moment where, where Ursulon realizes that she's like him. And I thought that informed her character so well, you know, she kind of had a similar life to Ursulon. Um, I don't remember which was which, but I think wild one, father, human mother, I think. Um, yeah, I don't remember either way, which one it was. I, I don't know if it was said actually. It might, yeah. It might not have been said, um, but one human parent, one mm-hmm. spirit right. parent. Um, 
Is that the case for Ursulon? I guess we don't know, actually, now that I'm saying this. Uh, that's yeah, it's okay. not re- at least not. I have like 30 minutes left, like I said, of the last episode of the children's adventure. I, I think the thing that was said from Brennan was uh, Ursulon being a being of the spirit world could recognize <clears throat> spirit things, mm-hmm. and that's sort of like what initiated this like moment of recognition. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if he clarified if it was a similar background. No, you're right. I think it, yeah, it has not been said. So I don't, we don't know who Ursula's mother is. Um, so she might also be a spirit, but now just making sure I'm not crossing my lines even further. Do we even know that that is true of ghost? That she has one human parent, one spirit parent, or did I make that up? Cause I thought that's what Ursula had. I, I think the moment is that he, he sees like a flash <clears throat> of like her, her life almost and recognizes that she is a, daughter of i think the expression was a spirit one and like a mortal or something like that okay so not necessarily human but right yeah okay um but yeah she's kind of had like i'm curious to know is she is she trapped in this world like why does she live in in the in umora instead of right the spirit plane um I would guess she is trapped for one reason or another, if not literally, but you know, for whatever circumstances, because she's had this hard life in the orphanage. And uh, yeah, I I had no idea that that was coming. I mean, I don't know why I would have guessed that, but um, had no inclination that she was a wild one like he was. So I thought that moment was so cool when I think Lou rolled a natural 20. I think that's what brought that on. Um, Well, we don't the, the the terminology is still a little vague in the sense of like, is she unable to go to the spirit world? Has she ever been there? Like if she's like, did a spirit one come to Amora and have her and like, she's never been there. Like there's, there's true. like some fuzziness there in the yeah, sense true, of like, yeah. we don't know. You know. Would she even be considered a wild one? If she's like half, is she a half wild one? You know, and so like, I don't, I, I'm very curious. And honestly, it's all the more reason why I'm surprised Suvi wasn't more um, thoughtful in this whole like recommendation to go to the Citadel, because we also know there is like a monetary desire in acquiring spirit True. one. So, which she didn't realize that I know Ursula realized it, not her, but I don't know. It just seemed... He yeah. Did he tell them? No, I don't think he told them. So she wouldn't have known anyway. But um, so my point's moot. But anyway, that was still interesting. Um, yeah. So uh, we already talked about it, but even more fuel to the fire of like, I'm really interested to see maybe if we get any updates on on ghosts, ghosts storyline. Um, <clears throat> but again, even if we don't, what an excellent, deep, just throwaway character essentially um you know um anyway um unless you've got something else maybe we can move on to the big finale moment um statue with the statue so much happens here and there's so much to unpack with this vision i i don't really know where to begin i don't know if like the the things that stuck out to me are like there was obviously chaos in this vision and it seemed at least to kind of 
pit against th- this town or whoever was here at the time versus these like gods if if not you know Brittany kind of explained the word god to me like i'm yeah. not necessarily saying like a deity but like so is that the impression you got or do you think it could have been the two d de- i'm just going to use the word deities the two deities actually, of the statue fighting against each other i actually like- wondered if there was some sort of something ironic like, like what you were just saying like here they are these because i think they were dancing or something um but that maybe the irony being that these two not gods, but were battling in some way. Um, but it was kind of the cool, it was a cool, like first, um, moment in the show where it's been like, there's something bigger in this world than them. Um, so like a nice little nugget of world building of like, okay, a long time ago, or who knows how long ago it was, but there was something not necessarily cataclysmic, but like, in this town incredibly important and dire um so and i i wonder if how long they're going to stay here so i'm wondering how much even details they're going to get on this but um it's interesting for this moment to happen and how will it tie in how will it tie in in the short term or even i guess long term so and it was also i mean who knows behind the dm screen what brennan had ready to go maybe he would have presented this information some other way but seemingly ame just kind of randomly i'm gonna fix this statue and that's what kind of brought this on like if they had just gone to that building that they were headed to would we have not gotten any of this information um um fights her on this and says like, why are you dealing with this? And yeah. Um, Ami says it's the responsibility of witches to care for the spirits care for yeah, like take care of like shrines and stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so it made sense why she did it. It just, which, you know, it's, it's just, it's great gamesmanship. It's not the really right word by Erica Ishii to be like, Oh, that's a shrine. I should, my character feels this way. Like, I just envision Brennan laying the bait a little bit. Yeah, like maybe he knew she would do that. Because Brennan's talked about this before too, about how he doesn't have to railroad because once you know your players well enough, you can like lay out the the canvas and you you know what they're yeah. going to do. Um, so I, it was just a really neat bait, I guess. Bait's not the right word, but you get what I'm saying. Um, yeah. But yeah. So. Yeah. I'm and- like. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. No. I was just saying, I just enjoyed envisioning like them all being like, "Oh, that's cool, Fox," and her just convulsing behind them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, okay, so to to unpack the vision a little bit more, for obviously we don't know, but for my money, I think it's and it's possible there could be like a god on the the hum- humanity side, for lack of a better word. But it seemed to me like these two deities or whatever were like attacking this town for some reason, because we hear like he describes screaming and like people up on the ramparts and like the vines mm. and the thing. Um, so to me, it sounds like kind of like this, this cataclysmic event. Um, and one of the, I've, I've got the the text pulled up here. Um, so I'll make sure I say it right. One of the lines Brennan says is like, you see people up on the watchtower and walls of stone summoned from, summoned forth from the earth which to me that's got to be referencing the huge wall that was described 
in episode four, right before they got mm. to Finley's, you know, he described the huge wall that was like made by spellcasters. Um, yeah, interesting. So what, so clearly to me, that wall was erected during this wartime to, to prevent these forces from getting in, maybe to block like ocean waves or something from coming in. Um, but he also describes um, at the very end, uh, you hear endless waves and deep song from the bottom of the ocean cut short and a scream choked with ash, fire and smoke. So to me, that's kind of describing all of these salt fires that are everywhere. Like maybe those salt fires are in some way like a defense against these gods or whatever. Like the wall and the salt fires, maybe like did did this vision happen recently that she's seeing or is this or maybe it didn't. But the wall's still here from whenever that was. And maybe they like ritualistically still do these fires every once in a while. But Ursulon didn't know of the fires last time he was here. So I don't know. I think since Ursuline's been here before, he would know if that was a recent event, he would have been like, uh, this was from last Tuesday when (laughs) (laughs) that God came down and destroyed everything. It it doesn't seem Um, to be recent. I don't, I personally don't think it's linked with the salt fire or I guess Britain revised it to, uh, witch fires. Um, but to me, since he talked about like vine, it's inter- it's very interesting because I envision earth and fire in opposition with like greenery and vines. Um, so we're like where my mind like goes to is the cliche like fire bad evil and vines like restorative like good like good versus evil. But he talks about the vines like creating ruin. Um, so I don't I don't know like I'm really struggling between two godlike entities battling it out in the town and people just being like, you know, it's like uh, the first Avengers. People are just like hiding in New York. Like they were kind of just caught in the crossfire. Yeah. Or if it's like you said, there was like an actual attack. Um, the thing that'd be strange about an attack on the town would be, why would you create a statue of these two people? Um, one of them yeah. was to face the other one wasn't. And so it makes you wonder if like, yeah, I don't know. I wondered I that know. same thing when we first were presented with the information. I was like, is she going to heal the face and it's going to be sinister or something? Because like he described the woman as being like happy that they were dancing. So yeah. I expected the man to have like ulterior motives or something. But that didn't that didn't seem to be the case necessarily. Yeah. Um. But yeah, really interesting. What a cool like world building bomb drop. Um, yeah. So curious to find out more. One thing that's interesting that... um button pointed out in our discord was the the structure out in the sea that they saw the lights of you know in the previous episode yeah um they were speculate i don't want to put words in their mouth but i think they were speculating that um maybe that was like also like a line of defense like Mm. whatever that is is like some sort of defense against potentially whatever happened here or something um like, like it's like a keeping the spirits at bay potentially. Yeah. The only, like I said, I don't fully ascribe to it, to that theory, but what I like about it is that there's clearly some kind of attack on the city. It's not, not, I wouldn't say like supernaturally so, but like beyond just like, <laughs> 
we got a bunch of, of gangs around here. Like there's something happening with like the witch fires and the wall, this thing out in the ocean that Ursuline's like, man, yeah, no, this was ever here before. I mean, the city's obviously under attack by something in some way. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Yeah. And, um, while I was, while I was looking at this, uh, commune DM also in our discord mentioned, uh, I think this, his, his words, not mine. I think the Citadel empire has already employed malevolent spirits to potentially battle lock away others. Um, and he said this, the combat description of this scene reminded me of what happened during Suvi's childhood. Um, when they like, you know, teleported to that town and it was like chaos and fire. I'm wondering if I, this isn't the same town, um, obviously, right. but I wonder if the chaos of that night is the same night that this happened. Oh, interesting. You know, like yeah. maybe there was like this world kind of, yeah. you know, I yeah. Know. Interesting. Okay. Oh, one final thing on this, this, this save and this experience that Ame had is during the fireside chat. I don't remember the exact context, um, but they were talking about this moment and Brennan said, I can't tell you what that, what she saved from in that saving throw because she might, it's still relevant is what he was saying. Uh, and what's yeah. interesting is uh, they've recorded like this fireside chat for them. They didn't record right after they filmed this episode. So they filmed like, I don't know how many, but several episodes past this. And so it's interesting that even still it's relevant. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I yeah. thought that was a little juicy tidbit. Yeah. That's nice. Um, I like it. I'm here for it. But yeah, I uh, definitely got me, me itching for, for more. I want more of this uh, world building. We still need to, we mentioned maybe putting together like a, a document. Um, yeah. Somebody shared with me, there is a Wikipedia. I don't know if it's, I don't know like how official it is. Not that that matters. Um, but all that to say, I haven't like dived into it yet. So I don't know like how comprehensive it is. Um, but if it is comprehensive, then great, you know, less work for us, but um, I'll still, we still need to look into that and either, I guess, contribute to that Wikipedia ourselves or if, or make our own, um, yeah, okay. not make our own Wikipedia, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. <clears throat> I'm all about it. Well, anything else from this episode you want to talk about? Um, I don't think so, my friend. I don't Alrighty. think so. Well, guys, let us know what you guys thought of about the episode. And we got a new one tomorrow, dropping tomorrow. So yeah. we'll see where this goes. I'm excited. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, last but not least, we should need a little thumbnail action. That's right. I was thinking, um, um Maybe I I was just gonna do like a like a surprise kind of a like the final reveal type of thing. I'm all about it. All right, good surprise face. <laughs> nice, thanks. All right, I guess that's it. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. Till next time. See ya.